Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we are continuing our reading in Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, with section five, perception versus knowledge. And at the top of the hour, we normally pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Today is lesson 31. I am not the victim of the world I see. And uh, uh, Fran is not with us this morning. And so if, if if there is a volunteer to lead that recollection of Lesson 31, that would be great. I'll ask again after the reading. Okay. I can volunteer if you like, Lemoyne. Well, thank you, Charles. Um, And, um,
I'll take that. Good. Still connected here. Okay. Um, I don't have a wonderful poem opening like my co-host Lori usually does so let me just I do want to say one thing in fact I'm being told to say this before the before the reading might be about the sounds like it's about the lesson (laughs) and uh, this is the Something came to me in preparation last night. Um, the choice not to make self as victim, not to view anyone or especially your own self as a victim, is the choice not to make anyone else an attacker. And therefore, it is a choice for the uh, atonement. <clears throat> With that thought, we'll go into the reading. Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 5, Perception versus Knowledge. We have been emphasizing perception and have said very little about cognition as yet because you are confused about the difference between them. The reason we have dealt so little with cognition is because you must get your perception straightened out before you can know anything. To know is to be certain. Uncertainty merely means you do not know. Knowledge is power, and because it is certain, and certainty is strength. Perception is merely temporary. It is an attribute of the space-time belief, and is therefore subject to fear or love. Misperceptions produce fear, and true perceptions produce love. Neither produces certainty because all perception varies. That is why it is not knowledge. Charles. Uh, Text 3, Section 5, Paragraph 30. We have been emphasizing perception and have said very little about cognition as yet because you are confused about the differences between them. The reason we have dealt so little with cognition is because we must get your perceptions straightened out before you can know anything. To know is to be certain. Uncertainty merely means that you do not know. Knowledge is power because it is certain. 
and certainty is strength. Perception is merely temporary. It is an attribute of the space-time belief and there and is therefore subject to fear or love. Misperceptions produce fear, and true perceptions produce love. Neither produces certainty, because all perceptions varies. That is why it is not knowledge. 31. True perception is the basis for knowledge. But knowing is the affirmation of truth. All your difficulties ultimately stem from the fact that you do not recognize or know yourselves, each other, or God. To recognize means to know again, implying that you knew before. You can see in many ways because perception involves different interpretations. And this means that it is not whole. The miracle is a way of perceiving, not of knowing. It is the right answer to a question. And you do do not ask questions at all when you know. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And Robin Murray. 31. True perception is the basis for knowledge, but knowing is the affirmation of truth. All your difficulties ultimately stem from the fact that you do not recognize or know yourselves, each other, or God. To recognize means to, quote, know again, unquote, implying that you knew before. You can see in many ways, because perception involves different interpretations, and this means that it is not whole. The miracle is a way of perceiving, not of knowing. It is the right answer to a question, and you do not ask questions at all. When you know. 32. Questioning illusions is the first step in undoing them. The miracle, or the, quote, right answer, unquote, corrects them. Since perceptions change, their dependence on time is obvious. They are subject to transitory states, and this necessarily implies variability. How you perceive at any given time determines what you do, and action must occur in time. Knowledge is timeless, because certainty is not questionable. You know when you have ceased to ask questions. Thank you, Robin Marie and Jessica. Thank you, Lemoyne. 32. Questioning illusions is the first step in undoing them. The miracle, or the quote, right answer, corrects them. Since perceptions change, 
Their dependence on time is obvious. They are subject to transitory states, and this necessarily implies variability. How you perceive at any given time determines what you do, and action must occur in time. Knowledge is timeless because certainty is not questionable. You know when you have ceased to ask questions. <laughs> Excuse me one sec. Okay. 33. The questioning mind perceives itself in time and therefore looks for future answers. The unquestioning mind is closed because it believes the future and present will be the same. This establishes an unchanged state or stasis. It is usually an attempt to counteract an underlying fear that the future will be worse than the present. And this fear inhibits the tendency to question at all. Thank you, Jessica. And Karen. 33. The questioning mind perceives itself in time and therefore looks for future answers. The unquestioning mind is closed because it believes the future and present will be the same. This establishes an unchanged state or stasis. It is usually an attempt to counteract an underlying fear that the future will be worse than the present, and this fear inhibits the tendency to question at all. 34. Visions are the natural perception of the spiritual eye, but they are still corrections. The spiritual eye is symbolic and therefore not a device for knowing. It is, however, a means of right perception, which brings it into the proper domain of the miracle. Properly speaking, quote, a vision of God, unquote, is a miracle rather than a revelation. The fact that perception is involved at all removes the experience from the realm of knowledge. That is why visions do not last. Thank you, Karen. And Donna. 34. Visions are the natural perception of the spiritual eye, but they are still corrections. The spiritual eye is symbolic and therefore not a device for knowing. It is, however, a means of right perception, which brings it into the proper domain of the miracle. Properly speaking, quote, a vision of God, end quote, is a miracle rather than a revelation. The fact that perception is involved at all removes the experience from the realm of knowledge. That is why vision, visions do not last. 
35. The Bible instructs you to, quote, know yourself, end quote, or be certain. Certainty is always of God. When you love someone, you have perceived him as he is, and this makes it possible for you to know him. However, it is not until you recognize him that you can know him. While you ask questions about God, you are clearly implying that you do not know him. Certainty does not require action. When you say that you are acting on the basis of knowledge, you are really confusing perception and cognition. Knowledge brings the mental strength for creative thinking, but not for right doing. Perception, miracles, and doing are closely related. Knowledge is the result of revelation and induces only thought. Perception involves the body, even in its most spiritualized form. Knowledge comes from the altar within and is timeless because it is certain. To perceive the truth is not the same as knowing it. Thank you, Donna. And is there a new reader who would like to read 35 and 36? Patricia here. All right, Patricia. If you'd like to read? 35. 35. The Bible instructs you to know yourself or be certain. Certainty is always of God. Certainty is always of God. When you love someone, you have perceived him as he is, and this makes it possible for you to know him. However, it is not until you recognize him that you can know him. While you ask questions about God, you are clearly implying that you do not know him. Certainty does not require action. When you say that you are acting on the basis of knowledge, you are really infusing perception and cognition. Knowledge brings the mental strength for creative thinking, but not for right doing. Perception, miracles, and doing are closely related. Knowledge is the result of revelation and induces only thought. 
Perception involves the body, even in its most spiritualized form. Knowledge comes from the altar within and is timeless, eternal, because it is certain. To perceive the truth is not the same as knowing it. 36. If you attack error in one another, you will hurt yourself. You cannot recognize each other when you attack. Attack is always, always made on a stranger. You are making him a stranger by misperceiving him so that you cannot know him. It is because you have made him a stranger that you are afraid of him. Perceive him correctly so that you can know him. Right perception is necessary before God can communicate directly to his own altars, which he has established in his sons. There, he can communicate his, his certainty, his knowledge, will bring peace without a single question. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Patricia. And is there another new reader for 36 and 37? Another new reader, 36 and 7. Okay, uh, back to you, Charles. Thanks, Lloyd. Paragraph 36. If you attack error in one another, you will hurt yourself. You cannot recognize each other when you attack. Attack is always made on a stranger. You are making him a stranger by misperceiving him so that you cannot know him. It is because you have made him a stranger that you are afraid of him. Perceive him correctly so that you can know him. Right perception is necessary 
before God can communicate directly to his own altars, which he has established in his sons. There he can communicate his certainty, and his knowledge will bring peace without question. God is not a stranger to his sons, and his sons are not strangers to each other. Knowledge preceded both perception and time, and will ultimately ultimately replace them. This is the real meaning of the biblical description of, of God as Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. It also explains the question before Abraham was, I am. Perception can and must be be stabilized, but knowledge is stable. Quote, fear God and keep his commandments, end quote, should read, quote, know God and accept his certainty, end quote. There are no strangers in his creation. To create as he created, you can create only what you know and accept as yours. God knows his children with perfect certainty. He created them by knowing them. He he recognized them perfectly when they do not recognize each other. They do not recognize him. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And Robin Marie, would you read 37? Yes, 37. God is not a stranger to his sons, and his sons are not strangers to each other. Knowledge preceded both perception and time and will ultimately replace them. That is the real meaning of the biblical description of God as, quote, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, unquote. It also explains the quotation, quote, before Abraham was, I am, unquote. Perception can and must be stabilized, but knowledge is stable. Quote, fear God and his commandments, unquote, should read, quote, know God, and accept his certainty, unquote. There are no strangers in his creation. To create as he created, you can, you can create only what you know and accept as yours. God knows his children with perfect certainty. He created them by knowing them. He recognized them perfectly. When they do not recognize each other, they do not recognize him.
Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there is there another reader who would like to conclude the reading thirty seven again? New reader, previous reader, anyone? Um, Charles here. Uh, oh, Charles, go ahead, please. Um, I yes, Lemoyne. Uh, who? Okay, so I have Charles and Patricia there. Right. Correct. Okay. Well. Um. This is a little bit crazy, but I'm gonna I'm gonna change. Charles, um, please go ahead. I'm sorry, Charles. Please go ahead. I'm waiting for. Thank you. All right, I'm going to I'm going to instead follow the order and ask if Jessica could you read thirty-seven. All right. Again. Very good. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Um, thirty-seven. God is not a stranger to his sons, and his sons are not strangers to each other. Knowledge preceded both perception and time and will ultimately replace them. That is the real meaning of the biblical description of God as, quote, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. It also explains the quotation, quote, before Abraham was I am, unquote. Perception can and must be stabilized, but knowledge is stable. Quote, fear of God, I mean, fear God and keep his commandments should read, quote, fear God and accept his certainty. I'm sorry. Fear God and keep his commandments should read, Know God and accept his certainty. There are no strangers in his creation. To create as he created, you can create only what you know and accept as yours. God knows his children with perfect certainty. He created them by knowing them. He recognized them perfectly. When they do not recognize each other, they do not recognize him. Uh, Thank you, Jessica. And, yeah, I I think I want to leave that that last paragraph that distinction of knowledge um, as something uh, much more eternal than perception as the as the summary that uh, this section is about the distinguishing perception from knowledge and uh, I think you know 
the uh, the size or it's not really a size or depth or power, but the eternal nature of knowledge <clears throat> and its role in creation as expressed in that last paragraph is uh, is the distinction that separates the perception which we ordinarily live within from the knowledge as it's spoken of here and tech the knowledge is a direct experience of certainty and does involve recognizing <clears throat> itself, God, and all really very complete therefore certain so I'll stop trying to and your shape and and uh, open the floor we've got a, just a few minutes before the top of the hour thank you Levine. Um what comes to my mind at the moment if I may share is I remember the biblical scriptures which says Adam knew Eve and bore Abel. The knowing there was to mean to give love, to love. Um, to, to know God is to know the source of love. And to accept his certainty is to accept that as I recognize my brother lives within my heart and I within him is to know um, is an absolute experience uh, that cannot be put into words so thank you thank you hi this is Ida good morning um, so in the reading, um, it says that God, um, created us by knowing us. I'm like, yes, but don't you kind of have to know something first? You have to know what you're going to create before you create it, and then you can really know it. Like, it's like a conundrum. But if there is no time, really, time will be abolished. It's an illusion or a mental construct of the ego you know, and God is the Alpha Alpha and Omega, then that, you know, in the text itself, that totally, to me, that explains the answer to the question. You, if you bypass the idea of time, then that's certainly true that God could create us by knowing us. He, he just formed an image of us and know, knew us one by one? No, because he, he created the one Son of God. We separated later in time, um, you know, and then, and then um, created us like that. Thanks, I'm complete. Thank you, Edda. Yeah, thank you, Edda.
Well, I'm, uh, <laughs> doing what I can not to serve lumpy gravy here. Um, it is, it is now the top of the hour, and I, one thing I would like to, uh, offer for your consideration during our review of the lesson is, uh, our sister Lori, who is, uh, undergoing a medical procedure this morning. And, uh, and uh, to keep her in mind with, uh, or, yeah, remember her, maybe recognize her in, uh, in our practice of the lesson. And so I'll turn it over to you, Charles. Thank you, Lemoyne. Okay, today's lesson is Review 31. I am not the victim of the world I see. How can I be a victim of a world that can be completely undone if I so choose? My chains are loosened. I can drop them off merely by desiring to do so. The prison door is open. I can leave it simply by walking out. Nothing holds me in this world. Only my wish to stay keeps me a prisoner. I would give up my insane wishes and walk into the sunlight at last. Lesson 31. I am not a victim of the world I see.
Today's idea is the introduction to your declaration of relief. As you survey your inner world, merely let whatever thoughts cross your mind come into your awareness, each to be considered for a moment and replaced by the next. As you sit and quietly watch your thoughts, repeat today's idea to yourself as often as you care to, but with no sense of hurry. Remind yourself you are making a declaration of independence in the name of your own freedom, and in your freedom lies the freedom of the world. I am not the victim the world I thank you Lord thank you everybody um, <clears throat> it's a judgment to say that any lesson in this course is more important than any other lesson so in some way that's false but I think it's a good point to make anyway that I believe this is one of the most important lessons in the course. I'm not the victim of the world I see because it's the underpinning of at least half the ideas that we read in this text for a whole year. I'm not the victim of the world I see. But we take back our responsibility for creating our own life. Yes, I mean, in the... In the dualistic sense, we do seem to be affected by everybody else out there that's part of the one Son of God. So it's a paradox, but take I want to take as much responsibility as I can for creating my own life. And it, it seems to take a lot of retraining, mind retraining from the past, which doesn't really exist either, you know. Um, which taught me that my parents did it to me by being bad parents. The world did it to me by being a bad world. The Illuminati did it to me by taking too much power and too much money away from the, everybody else, whoever, you know. My sister did it to me when I was 10 by breaking my crayons. It doesn't really matter who it appears to be that's doing something to hurt me that still goes against this principle that I am not the victim of the world I see. So I can choose to be happy or at least at peace, no matter what appears to be happening out outwardly in my life or in the, in the quote-unquote world. Thank you. I'm complete. Yeah, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. I, I see it. Um, it's interesting. It's, <clears throat> it's not really fundamental to knowledge itself, this lesson, but it certainly is fundamental to correcting perception so that we can know and recognize what is rather than what we've made up about it <laughs> and you know, clear out our perception made in fear in order to know what is 
and uh, the eternal it's eternal aspect based on love. Thank you, Lemoyne. I just want uh, Charles here. Um, when he meant when when he spoke of the spiritual eye being that of perception versus the knowledge, this is the first time I realized the idea that this, the third eye is still of the perceptual realm because it deals with form. And uh, and since we tend to glorify form um, through however we fantasize our experiences within the world of form, um, we still live from our version of what heaven is all about, our version of love, what love is all about. Because um, I've had visions of God before, and they have dissipated, and I have gone back into my critical self again, and I've gone back into my misunderstanding. So when he talks about the vision of God itself is even temporary. Just a very powerful uh, section in the book about the temporary versus that which is absolute, that which never leaves, that which never changes, that which always is. And a lot of teachers have taught me awareness is something that never changes. What we're aware of changes, but awareness itself never changes. Now realize attention never changes. What we give our attention to changes, but attention itself never changes. So with that um, cognition uh, of that which is eternal and that which is temporal, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Gerald. Your profound uh, sharing prompts Patricia to add on my experience now to turn that page 44 to this book that's been the root of my soul. Perception versus knowledge. 
today, my dear. Knowledge is this eternal presence lives within me and I did not have to die to have it be present. Eternity allows every single moment of you and every story to be the perfect peace of eternal glory. And I get to live this. I get to know you, you and everything. Knowledge is my eternity. And then perception. Oh, my dear. This is Patricia telling you. Perception at year 77 lets me know the glory of heaven. Perception is the willingness to be the perfect peace. The perfect peace today that you are right now listening to this crazy woman. You are the perception of the glory of God. To enter this moment to be a tiny piece, two land being with one side of the mind saying, I am today the perfect presence of what God made me. And the second land, I am eternity that knows nothing but the willingness to be here fully. Gratitude. Oh, what a glory. Thank you. Perception and knowledge unite God. Thank you, Patricia. Patricia, that put it together nicely. Thank you. I liked it. (laughs) That's good. Let's keep our legs swinging up on that cloud, looking down at what God is creating. We're only the love in it. God's doing the story. He is the glory. Thank you.
No, this is Lemoyne, and uh, I, I know one part of the reading that that uh, <laughs> I can't. Uh, well, I <clears throat> I don't want to put myself in a box around it. I just want to go through the thing in thirty-two and thirty-three, where you know, given a world that is not misbegotten, but that the actual creation is just fine, but I live in a world that I have created of my own illusion, where I play the central role of victim, and this is a very short description of most of my life. Um, 32, it says, questioning illusion is the first step in undoing that. So, you know, questioning is the says it's the first step in escaping illusion, right? And uh, uh, then it walks through how perceptions change, and therefore they can be recognized as not constant, but not true. And that's very helpful. Um, and then it, it says knowledge is timeless because certainty is not questionable. You know when you have ceased to ask questions. But then it goes into 33, right? You know, the questioning mind perceives itself in time and therefore looks for future answers. <clears throat> and this, this, quest, this type of questioning takes us out of the present into the future. And yet the unquestioning mind is closed and it... Uh, because it believes the future and the present will be the same, all based on the past. So there is this thing of like, okay, question illusions, but but neither questioning or unquestioning states are really the goal, right? Um, that the uh, the state of knowledge is a state of is given here state of create, being able to create, and it, this is not establishing an unchanged state or state, right? So the unquestioning mind is usually attempting to counteract an underlying fear that the future will be worse, and this fear inhibits the tendency to question at all. So I think maybe the thing I need to just have is a little compassion. for uh, myself and the thing of question because um, you know I do believe that curiosity is is at least closer to knowledge than the perception that tells me I already know right the perception that I already know it's going to happen it will limit the desire to actually is, use that eternal awareness that you spoke of the world, Charles, to uh, to actually recognize that the unity that is there. <clears throat> 
not have a have a need to question, but still be able to be curious and and want to experience that and to know where others stand on these uh, rather fundamental questions being and uh, and you know have a little compassion because that the this in any attempt of the mind to understand itself it does have the potential to fall into uh, illusion of something, and that that could consider that that's all that's really ever happened. Mistakes have been made. May the lessons be learned now. Anyway, I'm complete. Thank you, Lemoyne. Lemoyne, this um, sharing brought me to a real-life experience. I don't know how it may serve the morning, but I um, came to a point in my career and life that may have appeared on the outside as the top of the ladder, but from the inside, I did not feel true to myself. And so uh, 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 life gave me a chance to, uh, I left. I left my career and everything and um, moved to uh, out to the ocean for seven years. I stayed there with a community and a world that did not know anything about me because I did not want to know what I had done with my physical manifestation. In a way, I was willing to die uh, to that. And and this whole ability now to look at this chapter of what we are creating, when it has no purpose, to support a personality, but only that to serve the story that is for love to bring to that story and not control a single thing about it. And that I learned when I left. For eight years I left and allowed everything about what the town that I lived in for 50 years, I, I left. Well, the world brought me back. The world brought me back. And, and now I'm here and I'm looking at, at people and stories, and I know there's, there's no to control the love that we're here to bring to the story. 
That's all I can say. I've just returned, and I'm just learning what it's like. And when you run away into the total love of nothingness, and now God's brought me back. And all I can say is, the story's crazy, and the stories keep on being crazier. The only thing I know is I'm bringing the love to it in any way I can. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Okay, you got me out here again. So for Fran and for Lori and for all of those unbelievable stories that we are well and whole, I'll, I'll confess to you guys the garden here is still making pink roses in the middle of a pending freeze that's coming in the first month of February. And then on the back porch last night I saw a black and orange and gold butterfly. And she landed right on the edge of a branch of a tree and she said, don't believe a single story about anything. But miracles are right here. Oh, you guys, I can tell you right now, but I can't tell my family or anyone. When I went away for seven years, I saw what love does when you're not a person. When you're just somebody looking out there at the miracle that you've got water running out of the tap or that the falling from the sky, a miracle of being alive. And now I've come back to a world that's full of story. I'm going to tell you, garden here is doing things I can't talk about. It frightens people to know how much love there is in the world. It absolutely frightens people to know how much perfection and love there is. There's roses and a butterfly at the end of January when a freeze is coming. There's a plum tree up to my window telling me She's going to grow plums. And there's also a seed I planted with my granddaughter 20 years ago. It was an avocado seed. And it is a 30-foot tree with, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you the truth, dirty, big, giant, chartreuse avocados hanging 
And no books on earth would believe they're going to, they're ripening out there. And there's a freeze coming. But what kind of story do we want to follow? There's God in you. Thank you. (laughs) What a wonderful way to start this rest of this day, this life. Thank you so much, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. It is a bit of a challenge to sit here and uh, watch the call empty out. Usually happens after after Robin Marie goes to work and not before, like say.
Then the silence calls Patricia to add a fun chapter to our uh, Course in Miracles study group this morning. Robin Marie is somebody that is out on the Pacific Coast where I ended up when I ran away and was willing to die. So I met her finding that only place that my fall-apart mind could say, you're not over yet, girl. And I'll tell you, I went out to the ocean. It's a northern California coast. And I happened to have been... I know this is not getting recorded. So... um a long time, like, person known to make healing happen. And so I, how does the fairy godmother, where does she go to die? So I, out at the ocean, I've got this magic wand in my hand, and I stand there and I fling it out over the Pacific coast to say, God, take me now and tell everybody it's okay and don't let them worry about how I'm going to go. And then I'll be darned if that thing went like a boomerang and landed in my left hand and said, whoop. And then I threw it out again and it zoomed back. And I threw that a third time, and that one said, Patricia, before you die, find out who is the one holding the wand. And then I crawled back into a little hole in the ground back in the woods of that California coast, and I thought, now what do I do? Animals came to me. Oh, I've got pictures of a fox that said, here, help me. All kinds of weird things happen that you can't talk about to humans. But God didn't want me to go yet. So I, I prayer said, connect with uh, 12-step programs, people who are of addictions. And I checked online and and then I couldn't find anyone, and I said, oh, you do the Course in Miracles, girl. Find out somebody out here. There may be a way to connect this new person that's here only without a person to take care of, but only where nobody knows her. No one has any idea who she is. She's just going to show up somewhere in this world. Be the way to love it. Robin Marie was one of those out on that Pacific coast. We don't know each other other than our eternal desire to be willing to say everything is Thank you.
And I'll thank you again, Patricia. And I'm not sure if I misheard you, but yeah, we're still in the recorded portion of the call. <clears throat> oh, well, God must have wanted me to be naked. So I am so glorified by that. You know, when you think nobody's looking and you tell your truth, isn't that great? Thank you. It is. Well, <laughs> according to the board, there are three, three of us here. Trinity, what a calling.
Who may that be? Patricia here. Who else? I'm Lemoyne, and actually, uh, someone's just joined us. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> it's Pat. Hi, Pat. Falling in with the quiet ones here. <clears throat> and to answer your question, Patricia, the other person um, that shows on the board is Diana. And I don't know. I kind of got the impression she was cooking. It sounded like a blender running when you were talking, and I muted her. Oh. And yeah, I was. <laughs> this is Diana. I'm yeah, going to ask I you was. what's cooking. <laughs> oh, eggs and eggs and an omelet with tomatoes and just different vegetables inside. <laughs> so, yeah. So, even though it's just a quiet call. Yeah, I can see. <laughs> My mind, uh, you know, forming perceptions, judgments about myself, about working. <clears throat> how, how, uh, Directly, my own self-judgment is turned directly to attack. And I want to fight something off. But that's not going to fix the problem of a perception that is already self-attack. So this is been very edifying for me. And I see how these underlying tendencies of perception around being a victim or um, even seeing someone else as a victim is a, a choice for fear. And the choice not to view self as victim is the choice to view no one back. It is, at least for me and my perception of the world through my life, it does almost everything I've ever thought. Yeah. Let things go. Thank you for that, Lamorne. I always appreciate your descriptions of things. I was um, babysitting my uh, 
grand, my teenage grandchildren this morning just got in. Well, this ice uh, school was cut up, was called off today in Texas because people don't know how to drive in the ice and there are too many teenagers at risk of going to school. So anyway, um, so I had to listen to it then back home. What page were you on when you were reading all of this today? you know the page number? Is it Miracles Are Perceptions? Is that what you were reading? Oh, no, wait a minute. Um, conflict in the ego? Nope, that wasn't it. Perception. It was what? Page 44. 44. Thank you, page 44. I, 44. I just have this book so marked up, I, I can't even tell what page. <laughs> what page, what we were on, perception versus knowledge. Okay. And I have to reread this um, later today or listen to the call so I can really take this in. But um, perception versus knowledge. I, it says the miracle is a way of perceiving, not knowing. Perceiving. That's it. the meaning, I think, Whatever you feel, whether what side of the street you're on, whether you're ego or God, whatever you're perceiving. Oh no! Wait, the miracle is a way of perceiving, not not of knowing. What does that mean exactly? The miracle is a way of perceiving, not of knowing. Perceiving, you could think you're you're thinking right, but unless you are, it's not the knowing, which is what Christ is. So. The one, the perfect one, that I'm not sure about that. Um, I I view it this way: is that you know miracles are in the perceptual realm. They correct our seeing. To use a more general term, right? With I a think. glimpse of vision that allows us then to have. Uh, it, even if only for an instant, a true perception, and that allows us then to know. It is not the knowing itself, which is a state of being, you know, just more directly affective. It is, it's not, it's not even, an, knowledge is not an affect. Knowledge is what is the it's seen in the correct perception it's seen what but it is not the knowledge itself which is I see. from within and is the state of awareness that is corrected and support correct perception miraculous perception or right-mindedness is another term. Okay. Okay, that helps. So it's you really... Know, but with, the door to the house... Right. Pardon me? Wait. The door to the house is not the house. <clears throat> but it is the way in. Huh. Okay. So... Um, 
It's helping me see my brother as he really is and releasing all that is not real. Separation and undoing of separation. Um, Okay, I'm I'm just trying to take this all in. For some some reason, my cognitive learning today is has got in a lot of fog. (laughs) You know, it's kind of crazy to be in this call because I'm used to there being a whole lot of people here. And it's interesting that there are so few, but it calls me forward to say, don't hang up, Patricia, stay, because this is the center of your presence. Stay. And so this thing that I've learned, honey, with this... um, chapter knowledge is what that thing is that says on uh, page 45 45 page 45 uh, paragraph 35 the bottom of the paragraph knowledge comes from the altar within and is eternal the eternal you, is timeless because the only way we know it is because it's something in us that is absolutely certain. Certain. It does not need defense. It does not need to be understood. It's something we even say, oh God, why do you give me this knowing to keep like for here? to come to this morning and stay on this call. This is a certainty without any other knowing. So that is a knowing. It's something when there's a sense that Patricia here has of the eternal self that needs nothing but, I'm here. Oh, yeah. I'm saying yes. To being here. Now, perception is that part. If you were in a six-lane highway with three lanes going one direction, three lanes going the other, knowledge is the eternal whole of all six lanes. Perception is which lane do you have me on today, my my lord? Perception is, how do you give me my one piece in your puzzle? This is your puzzle, honey. What is my one piece that perception gives me today that tells me this is the rule I play, to love it, to love what I am, and to trust what you my Lord, are creating. So perception is that thing that says, be a tiny piece of eternity. Be one tiny being to love where you are, the bed you lie in, the stories around us, to be the love in it. The perception says, I'll give you one tiny piece of God's puzzle. Knowledge tells me 
trust the tiny piece of eternity. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. I'm not certain that I know how to express this, but um, perception for me is when when I'm working on it is something that I'm seeing that is out of sync. It's just not right. And when I get the right perception, I know it's there. But when I get, quote, knowledge from inside of me, it's like every all systems just cool down and I can feel that I know this is true and I don't have to search anymore. But with perception, if I have the wrong perception of things that are going on, which I have since I've been going from my ch- one child to another to <laughs> and a convalesce, um, my perception of them was that they were totally different than what it is now that I'm living with them. And I, I kind of call that a miracle, like God is letting me spend time with each one of my children before I have no more time to do that. And mm. um, it just makes this moment a different perception but closer mm. and loving in a different way, but still the same way. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. But... Um, mm. I just know it inside when everything is okay. And when it's perception, it can always be changed. And I, that's about as I'll go around in a circle if I do this again. So thanks for listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, glory. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. When you're talking about your children, it's... It brings tears to my eyes, and, and you know, because time is now, and we don't know what the end days are. So, and whatever happened in the past, or you know, good or bad, or however things unfold, well, with children growing up, are things that you know all we have is now to. Be with them, show up as our best selves, and be of service to love. And I, mean, I just really like to share. Thank you. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> thank you both. Um, we are we are at the end of the usual 
time for the recording. So, uh, let me ask first, before I say anything else, is there anyone who's joined us who would like to say good morning? Say hi. Have anything to share? Okay. Well, I want to respond to you, Pat. I I got a very clear sense that in your passing from house to house, you get it. You get it. You can't help but notice how the perception changes. Your perception of what's going on and what's happening and where you're at. That the perception is, is, you know, you get the variability of the perception and then you can recognize the knowledge when it, when it comes as being whole and complete and carrying that cert and that so that was a that was a very I thought that was a very powerful explanation you gave a process there that's going on for you to distinguish perception from knowledge and Perfect. So thank you okay. all. Oh. Yeah. Go ahead. I just appreciate your share. I really do. I hope you know that. Thank you, Lamont. Thank you. Well, and I, I think I'm going to defend where I started. <laughs> the choice not to view self as victim is the choice to view no one as attacker. Therefore, it is the choice for the atonement. And uh, I thank you all for being here. Here now, I've been here during the call and may listen to it in the future. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>